Wouldn't you just love to become a confident adventure rider? Visit BenMotorcycleAdventures.com forward slash adventure motorcycle training to learn more about our one, two, and four day training courses we'll be offering in 2020. Probably the most fun I've ever had riding a bike. I thought, wow, this is the greatest (laughs) street bike ever built. This fork is actually maybe even a little more complex than what what is on the 500s currently. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 43 of the Bend Motorcycle Adventures podcast, and today we're going to be discussing KTM 790 Adventure R Off-Road Review. All right, guys, welcome back. Now, what you heard there at the top of the show were some of my initial impressions and thoughts about the KTM 790 Adventure R after about 600 miles of riding the bike, and that riding admittedly was predominantly pavement, a little bit of off-road mix in there, but guess what? I've got a couple thousand miles on the bike off-road in Idaho, in Oregon, and I'm ready to talk about what I think of this bike as an adventure bike and as an off-road weapon. Also on today's show, listener questions about the 790. I pulled my audience on both Instagram and Facebook, and I've got a handful of questions that I'll answer for you on the show. And one more thing, I've got a little bit of a rant today. You're not going to want to miss that. Listener emails. I always love getting these. BenMotorcycleAdventures at gmail.com. This morning I got a couple of emails. One from Scott Bass and it reads, Thanks for doing the podcast. Enjoyed it. It's been a while. <laughs> Thanks for the support, Scott. Thank you for the feedback. I apologize for the, the hiatus. Truth be told, I just got too busy and I had to focus on the things that really paid the bills. But I missed the podcast and I was a little bit concerned that I'd lost touch with my audience, and then I looked at our numbers for last week's episode, and that is not the case. We picked up more subscribers than ever, so thanks to listeners like Scott, listeners like yourself, for supporting this podcast, and we'll be very regular with the show moving forward. Um, It's something I'm passionate about. It's something that I love to do, so expect us here each and every week. Thanks, guys. The second email I got this morning was in regard to the Idaho Backcountry Discovery Route, Question's pretty straightforward. Hey, can this be done? Can this ride be done on a longer time frame? And the answer is yeah. Take as much time as you want. I could see you. I could see you stretching this ride out for ten or eleven days if you want. You know, if you want to run maybe just a hundred miles a day, you want to do a whole lot of sightseeing and get off the route here and there. So, you know, you could you could do this route in a couple days, or you could do it in fourteen days. It's totally up to you. And if you need any advice on on how to lay that out in the future, again, just hit me up, benmotorcycleadventures at gmail.com. All right, a little bit of late-breaking news slash my rant for the week. I don't know if I'll have a rant every week, but uh, Dunlop, unveiling a new adventure tire. It's called the Trail Max Mission. Here's some uh, notes off their website. An aggressive tread pattern yields traction in hard terrain and... I'll be honest with you, the only place I can see this tire working very well is on the pavement or really, really packed roads. If the terrain is soft at all, this thing is going to suck. There's no knobs, there's no tread depth to speak of, there's some grooves. Uh, 
Um, and Dunlop even says deep grooves excel in wet weather conditions and offer biting edges for off-road performance. I can tell you right now, those aren't going to offer any sort of biting edge for off-road performance. So don't believe the marketing. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the influencers that are pushing the Trailmax mission. If you're going to get out and ride one of these backcountry discovery routes, uh, unless conditions are ideal, this tire is not going to cut it. And that's really where my rant stems from. These new tires that are coming out for adventure bikes. Michelin's Anarchy Adventure, Dunlop's new offering. These things are 50-50 at best and, and they're, they're darn near street tires. So don't add those to your bike when you get your adventure bike. Use something like the Golden Tire GT 723 or 723R, the uh, Moto Z, the, the Rousey tires or whatever those are, the Bridgestone Battle Axe, those look pretty good. I would uh, opt for a tire like that as opposed to some of these, uh, man, these are 50-50 at best. But anyway, that's my rant. Um, as an aside, I'm going to ride the SoCal BDR in November. So if you guys want to see me try a different tire than the Golden Tires that I've been running quite a bit, or running exclusively, shoot me an email, benmotorcycleadventures at gmail.com, and we'll try to get you some information, uh, maybe about a different adventure tire that's out there. All right, so we need to we need to get moving here and get into my review. So as a whole, off-road, I'm very impressed by the, the 790 Adventure R, the entire package. It's a great off-road bike. And one of the questions I actually got last week on Instagram was, could the 790 replace my WR250? And my my knee-jerk answer would be, yeah. Um, but as I thought about that a little bit more, I, I would say this. If you use the WR250 as a dual-sport bike, a uh, little bit of pavement, a lot of dirt roads, gravel roads, things like that, yeah, the 790 is going to be a significant upgrade, despite the, uh, the weight gain. The weight that you're going to put on the bike is going to be considerably heavier than the WR250. But... If you like to get out and ride some technical trails, I would say no. Not all of us are Chris Birch. Not all of us can can ride our bikes under under those um, circumstances. I wouldn't hesitate to take my bike on two track stuff and some smoother single track stuff. But you start to get into the gnarly type of riding. I just don't feel like it's that kind of bike. Can it be done? Most definitely, I could do it. But it's just not the kind of scenarios that I bought this bike for, or the kind of scenarios that I. I want to put this bike in. So again, if you've got a WR250 and you're looking to replace it as a dual sport, I'd say the 790 is a pretty big upgrade. I think you're going to be very happy with that bike as a whole. But again, if you like to get out on the trails and maybe they're a little bit sloppy, a little bit technical, depending on your skill set, the 790 probably wouldn't be the ultimate choice. And let me say this, uh, the 790, again, is going to outweigh your WR250 by a considerable amount, uh, even more so if you're coming off like a KTM Dual Sport. Those are the the lightest dual sports out there. Um, you don't really notice the 790 weight off-road until you get down in those lower gears and the lower speeds. If you're cruising along at what I would call or consider like traditional dual sport pace, maybe... I don't know, 20 to 40 miles an hour, you don't really feel the weight. The bike is very nimble. The handling is great. The suspension is the best suspension that's ever been on an adventure bike from the factory, which leads me to the next question I got, which is, do you have any intention of upgrading the suspension? There is a there is some kit suspension that can be bought for the bike. I think it's like 3500 bucks or $3,000. Uh, 
I don't need that. Again, I'm, I'm not putting this bike in situations or scenarios that I think would require uh, upgraded suspension. I'm not even going to have my suspension done. Uh, out of the box, in my mind, this bike is very adventure ready. And I've put it through the paces already with the type of riding I'm going to do. Technical stuff here in Oregon and in Idaho. It's not going to get too much more difficult for me. So again, yeah, I'm going to leave the suspension the way it is. I may stiffen it up a little bit just based off of, uh, you know, kind of the amount of weight, the luggage that I carry, but really impressed with the suspension so far. The only, the only issue I really had with the suspension or I noticed where I wished it was a little bit better was some of the, uh, the downhill G outs or big ditch type water bars on the Magruder corridor coming into those things at that angle. Um, I don't know if it was suspension related or just uh, flex in the frame or lack thereof due to this designer frame, but uh, I took a couple harsh hits coming off the Magruder and kind of had to change my style when I approached those things uh, coming at them pointed downhill. If I was coming uphill, yeah, I was just lofting the front wheel off over them with ease, so that was pretty sweet. But that's really the only issue I've had, you know, technical rock sections, even some rooty sections on the roads in Idaho, man. I picked my way right through there and it was it was great. I was really impressed with the suspension overall. The wheels. The wheels have been brought up a lot. You'll see a lot of discussion about the, the wheels and the rims in Facebook groups and it's true, they're wide. I think they're kind of vulnerable. I mean, being wider than a standard uh, dirt bike or dual sport wheel, they're going to be uh, weaker. That being said, I haven't had any issues. A couple thousand miles off-road, typical conditions in the backcountry, typical riding, technical stuff, rocky stuff. I've had no issues so far. But if you want to get more gnarly, then yeah, you may consider an aftermarket wheel set. Um, I know that W offers, uh, or W can lace you up a set of wheels. You can even use your stock hubs. And if you do opt for something aftermarket from W, I would recommend the Excel A60s. I still think those are about the strongest rim you can get. So if you're concerned about that, uh, that could be an option for you. But again, the concern with the stock rims is that they're a little bit weak, a little bit vulnerable. And then if you're still running the tubeless system and you hit something and you dent that rim, guess what? Your tubeless system no longer works. It no longer holds air. So I think that is maybe the biggest point of concern. Myself, when I put the golden tires on, the GT723 and the 723R, I opted to uh, install Bridgestone Ultra Heavy Duty 4mm tubes. That's what I always run. Um, they're such a pain. But they're worth it because you very rarely get flats. I've got two flats in like the past 10 years. So that would be my recommendation. So far, my rims look good. They're still true. There's no big dings in them. Uh, and I, I think there's something to be said for... Line selection, the way you ride your bike, I always approach every day, every tour, whatever the case may be, I approach it like a race where man and machine have to get from point A to point B. We don't want to be tearing up our equipment or beating up our bikes. So uh, I think I'm pretty good at, at kind of picking my way through the technical stuff and taking care of my bike. But again, some people want to ride a little bit different terrain. They want to quote unquote send it. That's fine. We can do that. Uh, but if you want to do that, you may, you may consider the aftermarket options or at least put tubes in because if you beat those things up again, they're just not going to hold air 
I had another question about the durability of the 723 and the 723R golden tires. So 2,000 miles in, I would say I've got about 60% life left on the rear. The front's going to run a lot longer. Um, you guys know that, that I run those basically exclusively and I love them. Um, what I know and what I would tell you is that you're just going to be better off if you run a tire like that on your adventure bike than you would if you were running some sort of 50-50 that we already discussed here. So that's kind of my, my ride report, if you will, my review of the Golden Tires on an adventure bike. They're getting great wear and overall they just work really good. All right, next question for me. I don't know if this is much of an off-road review question, but at Motorcycle Capitalist on Instagram, and you guys should give him a follow and bother him to come on this podcast. He's been on some amazing motorcycle adventures, and we'd love to hear his story. But again, at Motorcycle Capitalist asked, if you bought this bike again, what's one thing that you would do differently? And I've been thinking about this. This is a tough one for me because... I don't know that there's a lot that I could have done differently. When you buy a first year model, it's not like the the aftermarket world, um, the you know the accessories are readily available. So you have to be kind of patient in that regard. And it's one of those things where I'm still waiting for a beefier skid plate and some crash bars, and I know they're they're on the horizon. And you know people like Moto Minded and and Black Dog and Rottweiler and build it racing products all these all these companies are working on cool aftermarket accessories but when you get the bike early on there's not much available so I don't know if there's anything I would really do differently other than I think I would have picked up the 790 adventure also the standard model I know what you're saying I know what you're thinking well that bike isn't uh, you don't have the tunability of the suspension some of the modes it's a little bit lower, but hear me out. We're going to use that bike, maybe one or two of those for adventure motorcycle training. So it would have been cool to pick one of those up and kind of compare and contrast the two. So I would say, I think my only regret is not buying two of them, an R model and a, a standard model. So I've had quite a few questions uh, regarding the modifications that I've made to the bike. And, and those are really few and far between. I haven't had to do much, obviously out of the crate, you want to get the bike sprung for your weight and your riding circumstances like you would any motorcycle. But I really haven't made any radical changes to this thing. I mean, I've added all the, the giant loop luggage, which has been a great help on the trips that, that I've been on. Uh, the Moto-Minded ABS, the rear ABS protector, that's a nice little piece that we've added to the bike. I do have a Billet Racing Products rear chain guide, which I think that's a, a vulnerable uh, part, stock part. Uh, on the KTM, but I have not broken the chain and put that on yet, but I intend to do that here in a week or two. But other than that, I really haven't done much in regard to aftermarket stuff. Uh, you know, I've seen the Acropovic exhaust out there. It's beautiful. I'd love to have one. One of the guys I rode with in Idaho had the, had the Acropovic on his, and uh, I don't really remember recognizing too much difference audibly between the stock exhaust and that exhaust. And, you know, let's let's be honest, the bike's got plenty of per plenty of power the performance is really good stock so it's not something that I really feel like I need to mess with and I'm not sure that you don't need to uh, mess with the uh, the fueling and the tuning if you do something like that so I'm not really up to speed on the Acropovic I'd like to have one but that's more of a 
a vanity thing. And aside from that, uh, again, skid plate, crash bars, I think that's about all I'm going to do. I did have the uh, the Voyager Pro. We've talked about that, and then I ended up selling it. I would like to add that to, to this bike too. But other than that, aftermarket stuff, I just haven't seen a great need for it. Um, the bikes are really ready to get out there and adventure. That's one thing I appreciate about the KTMs, and I've had good luck with them from that aspect, and I haven't had to do much to them to get out there and ride adventure or ride dual sports. So really stoked on that. And again, the mods I've made, minimal. Haven't seen anything crazy that I that I really need to add just yet. So we've talked about suspension. We've talked about the wheels. We've got good fuel capacity on the bike. I appreciate that. Uh, ride modes, I've tested them all. In the off-road arena, the rally mode is my favorite and I leave the ABS on. A lot of guys will tell you, oh, just shut the ABS off. Well, truth be told, this ABS actually works pretty darn good in my opinion. Now, if you shut it off, you've basically got something that will slide into the turns like a normal dirt bike, which I, I enjoy riding like that too. But when I'm riding adventure, again, long days, point A to point B, I'm not going to you know, aggressively attack every corner like that. And actually, I think the ABS makes me a little bit sharper. You know, I, when I'm out there, I'm kind of focused on not locking up the brakes and, and setting up for the turns. It's kind of like a, a dance. You're trying to get through a routine, you know? So I would, I would equate adventure riding to like, I don't know, being a ballerina, whereas maybe dual sport and off-road riding, it's like uh, getting out there and line dancing or something. I don't know. That's probably, that's probably a really horrible comparison, but I do love rally mode and I am a fan of the ABS, though I will say this, um, I've gotten some feedback in the front lever sometimes, the front brake lever, uh, when I was on the verge of, of locking up that front wheel. And what the ABS does is it basically keeps you from locking these, these tires up under heavy braking. So there is a moment in time if you were to lock them up where that will release, you'll get some feedback in the, the pedal and the brake lever and basically you won't have brakes. For, the, for a millisecond as the ABS does its thing. So that's something that you may need to adjust to if you're coming off you know, your everyday dirt bike that, that doesn't have ABS. That's something you want to adjust to. And you can tailor the ABS um, settings the way you like them. Or you can just shut it off, like I said. But I'm running with the ABS on. But you should be cognizant of the fact that if you get in a spot where you need to lock it up, lean it over, get stopped in a big hurry off-road... Um, if you don't have the ABS off, you're going, you know, it's going to take you a little bit further to get the bike completely stopped. And that's something that, that I think everybody should consider and most definitely be aware of. Back to the, the modes a little bit. Again, you can kind of tune the delivery and, and the power of the bike. One thing, when we were in Idaho on our first day, I was able to get the bike actually out on some wet asphalt. And we were doing about, I don't know, 60, 65 miles an hour on some wet pavement in a downpour and I used that wet road mode and that was good. I was, I was comfortable out there. And what I wanted to say was, Hey, if you get the 790 and maybe the power feels a little bit overwhelming, you can mess with some of those modes in the delivery to kind of tune this thing to your liking. And like I said before, you, you might even consider running that, that wet mode on in the backcountry on the dirt roads, because it'll detune tune the bike some and it'll actually be easier to ride. So there's a lot of options out there, and that's one nice thing about these adventure bikes. You can really, you know, nerd out on it. You can really get into the details to set up the bike 
the way you want it. So that, I mean, for me, that was, that was awesome. Obviously I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to work with, you know, give me rally, give me street. Uh, I, I could do without the wet pavement mode, but I liked it when I needed it. Uh, but I don't, I don't need too much and I'm not going to mess with it too much. I'm just riding the bike and it's everything I've done, every mode I've been in, everything's been really comfortable. Again, I've mentioned before, I wasn't really stoked on the off-road mode. I don't really run that one too much, but uh, pretty happy with everything else. As far as uh, reliability and durability goes, I've had two issues with the bike. The first being within the first 100 miles, and that was the leaky countershaft seal, and I had that obviously replaced under warranty. It didn't take too long to repair that, and I haven't had an issue with it since, and I most definitely was not the only one to experience that issue. Another issue I had, I was actually riding down from Trinity Lakes to the middle fork of the Boise River and went to press on the brake pedal, slide into a corner, if you will, and there was nothing there. The pedal blew all the way through and it literally, it scared the crap out of me. You don't, you don't expect to press a pedal and not have brake, but I had a brake issue on the Idaho BDR, second day, and um, yeah, we, we messed around with it. Took it apart, took the took the rear caliper apart, but it wasn't a it wasn't a trail side repair. It wasn't something we could address out there. So I'm not really sure what that is. And I've been riding it around a little bit, and I'm starting to think I just had some air in there or a, a bubble or something, and it kind of worked itself out because it seems to be back to normal. Now I'm going to take a three day ride this weekend and and kind of go over it one more time. If it's still an issue, I'm going to have it sent in. But we've got kind of one last ride here. We need to knock out before winter rolls in. So other than that, I've, I've had no issues. Bikes started up every time. Performance has been great. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I expected some issues with this first year model. I don't think there was a ton of lead time in regard to development. So I expected some things to go wrong. But, you know, sometimes that's the price you pay to get one of these first year models and be one of the first people to have them. So I would expect refined models in the future. Uh, whatever issues KTM had with the bikes this year, I would expect that to be addressed. But the stuff I've had so far, these two things have been minor. And like I said, I think the rear brake thing has kind of remedied itself. But uh, I guess I'm, I'm fortunate that I use a lot of front brake because five days on the Idaho BDR without a, a rear brake was kind of sketching it. And it kind of came back throughout the ride. Um, and when I say that, I, I say that I would press the pedal and then I would get some actuation on the on the rear brake maybe a second later. And then unfortunately it would kind of lock up. So it was one of those things where ultimately I just had to say, you know what, the pedal's there. I can feel it underneath my foot with my boot, which is important to me, but but stopping with the rear brake's not something I can rely on. So I pretty much front braked it the rest of the way. You know, thankfully you've got those two big rotors on the front. And, uh, you know, as per usual, the KTM stuff works great. So again, those are the issues I've had. And that pretty much wraps up this episode of the podcast and we talked a little bit about suspension and handling but here's here's reality um this is the lightest adventure bike you can get and this adventure bike has the best uh suspension out of the crate that you can get so that is your base that is your platform that is what you're working from no matter what modifications you make to the bike no matter what luggage you add to the bike no matter what kind of riding you do with the bike you're starting out with the lightest most nimble best handling adventure bike on the market and then for most of us that's really what it's all about we can talk about the engine 1090 1290 gs whatever this thing makes plenty of horsepower probably too much horsepower 
for the average rider. But it's a great bike. It's a great package. And again, I expect to see refinements in the future. So my assessment, I wouldn't hesitate to buy another one. In fact, I'm looking to add two or three more to the fleet. Uh, but I also kind of want to entertain, uh, you know, more 1090s or something like that. But overall, really happy with the package. And hopefully this uh, podcast has been really informative for those of you who are kicking this around. Now, I've heard people mention, you know, maybe people should buy a 690 as opposed to the 790. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure about it. The 690 is a great bike, but I think there's, you know, it's it's a tweener between a 500 and, and a 790. And, and what I mean by that is the 690 doesn't do adventure riding as good as a 790. And it sure as heck doesn't do trail riding as good as a 500 if you're going to kind of dual sport slash trail ride with a 500. So that's kind of a tweener. That That's kind of a bike that, uh, you know, doesn't really specialize in either arena. So I think if you're going to drop the money on a 690, uh, but you're an adventure rider and you're not going to get off the, the dirt roads, the 790 would be my choice. Now, if you're going to dual sport slash trail ride, I'm always going to default, default to the 500 on that. I mean, I just, I just don't see a, a bike out there right now that's comparable. So that's something to consider. I'm not knocking the 690s, but it's just a, a displacement and, and a build that's just in between uh, the best adventure bike and the best dual sport bike, admittedly. Let's just be honest. So those are my thoughts. And uh, with that being said, we'll be back next week. I've lined up some guests. We've got some people who've ridden all over the world. I believe we're going to do an interview on Monday. That's Los Dos Motos on Instagram at Los Dos Motos or Los Dos Motos. Uh, Phoenix Handlebars is going to come back and we've got, again, I've got a whole bunch of guests lined up. So looking forward to speaking with you guys next week. Don't forget about us on social media at Ben Motorcycle Adventures on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And until then, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.